You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, everyone. It's Amy Newmark. I'm off this week, so I've chosen three great end-of-summer episodes for you from last year. I'll be back after Labor Day week with new episodes. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Friend Friday, and today I'm pleased to introduce you to Anne Clark Van Hine. Anne lost her husband in the World Trade Center on 9-11, and with the 16th anniversary of the attack coming up on Monday, I wanted to honor the thousands of dead and the tens of thousands of surviving family members by talking to Anne today about her experience. So, Anne, welcome so much to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you, Amy. Anne was born in Oxford, England, but she came to the United States when she was two years old, and she grew up in Oklahoma, Utah, Arizona, and New Jersey, so all over America. And she started her own business in September 1975, and that very same day, she met her future husband, Bruce Van Hine. And Anne has always been in the world of dance after she retired from teaching dance. Now, in 1990, Bruce achieved his lifetime dream of becoming a New York City firefighter, which is what he did until he was killed in the line of duty on September 11, 2001. Since then, Anne has shared the story of her faith and the peace that she's achieved in the middle of a national tragedy. And in 2006, she became a volunteer guide at the 9-11 Tribute Museum in Manhattan, and she heads walking tours of the September 11th memorial, and she speaks to school groups. And she's actually shared her story all over the U.S., and even internationally in Ireland and Japan. She's also a grandmother. She has two fabulous grandsons. One of them is two, and one of them is four months old. And I certainly understand that because I have a two-month-old granddaughter, my first one. <laughs> I know. It's the best, right? It sure is. So it's wonderful. So, Anne, tell us what happened that day and then the volunteer work that it led you to do and how you came to grips with what happened and managed to use your faith and your brain in general, and how you found peace in your world again. Well, you know, that day, September 11th, for me was just a very ordinary day. I took my girls to school, and I hadn't started teaching again yet, so I was going to have the opportunity to do anything I wanted that day, which I think all mommies can relate to, (laughs) like, just do what I want today. But um, I would hear the attacks you know, hear them on my car radio and then watch them on television. And about midnight, um, the fire department would come to my home to tell me that Bruce was unaccounted for. And my daughters and I embarked on a journey we never expected to be on. 
of having a personal loss in the midst of a national tragedy. And at first, it was just trying to get through each and every day, making some tough decisions, but I think I really went into mommy lion mode and protecting my kids. We were very careful what we watched on TV or any of that. Um, By the end of September, we had a memorial service for my husband, and then we established what we call our new normal. Well, fast forward to um, 2006, and my youngest has gone off to college, so I have a little more free time, and an envelope came in the mail that um, talked about person-to-person history of sharing your story. And I thought, well, I can do that. I'm an educator. I talk all the time. And so I started volunteering with the 9-11 Tribute Museum. And I have to say, it's been the most amazing experience of my life. My fellow docents, which is just a fancy word for tour guide, are people I never would have met. I mean, some of them knew Bruce, but most of them are people in my whole life I never would have known. And to think that a tragedy such as September 11th, could bring so many people together to do such powerful work. And our goal is to share the stories of that day. I personally believe that when people hear the stories, it becomes more than just facts and figures. It becomes real. Of course. um, You're talking to somebody who believes very much in the power of stories. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And And it is such a powerful thing. And not just the people that I volunteer with, but the visitors that come from all over the world. I mean, I've had people come up to me afterwards. I remember, well, it's probably seven or eight years ago now, a woman came up to me and she said, I'm a widow also. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. How did your husband die? And she tells me he was killed in the tsunami the day after Christmas a couple oh, of yeah. years ago. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, it, like, took my breath away. Like, Another person who lost her husband in a highly publicized tragedy. <laughs> right. Right, right. And, it, you know, just or people that just come up and say, can I give you a hug? So I'm totally used to being hugged by total strangers. But I think a hug sometimes just says so much more than our words can. And maybe sometimes that's all we can do for somebody. You know, a hug is kind of a two-way street. But through the Tribute Center, I've been able to go to Japan three times. The Tribute Center right after the um, Great Eastern Japan earthquake, tsunami, nuclear disaster has sent people there to just reach out to the people of Japan and share our stories as someone, as people who are further along in a journey of loss than they are you know, to give them hope, which is something I think we can all try to give to each other. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing we can give to each other is just listening. And um, at first I thought in Japan, because I didn't understand the language and would have to wait for the translation, that I wouldn't listen as well. But I found that I almost listened better, if that makes sense, because I had to read the person's body language and their face. You know, that even makes though I sense. didn't understand the words. Yeah. And then when you heard the translation, you were like, oh, wow, you know. So it's been an amazing experience. It's been an absolute gift in my life. And it's part therapy, I think, but it's it's been amazing. You know, I haven't gone down to the memorial site because I've just been afraid of what I would feel yeah. thinking about the people who I knew 
who perished that day because mm-hmm. there were a couple dozen from our town since I live in a suburb of New York. And right. uh, what what actually do people see when they go down there? And how would you recommend they visit the site? Well, the first thing I say to people from the metro New York area is be kind to yourself. That's the first thing you have to do. And it is a beautiful park setting. There's 417 beautiful trees, and then you have the two memorial pools, which are stunning. I mean, the first time I saw the memorial, this is very poor English, but I thought, wow, they done good. Uh-huh. <laughs> they done good, because I was part of those people going to those press conferences and those workshops saying that it has to be more than just an alphabetical list, and, and they've achieved that. And um, and it is an amazing place. I mean, to the point that even on the hottest day, you can always touch the memorial because it's cooled. The steel, the it never gets too hot to touch, or too cold to touch. And um, and I think those little attentions to detail are just so important. And you know, we saw so much of that right after September 11th when we came together as a nation, just as Americans and helped each other in the smallest and the biggest ways. That is something I will never forget, people just showing up on my doorstep, or I received cards from people all over the country that were just addressed to the family of Richard B., because Bruce's first name was Richard, B. Van Hine, and our town and New York, because they got that out of the New York Times. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember traveling a couple of months after 9-11, and I was out in San Francisco, and the cab driver wouldn't take my fare, and he said, please give it to a fire department yeah. back where you live. The whole country was so united, yeah. and it's unfortunately a feeling that we don't have as much today as we did then, and I think 9-11, the anniversary every year, is a really good time to renew that feeling of unity, that we're all in this together, no matter what our political feelings are. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of my tour, I always tell people two things. One, I tell them to go do something fun, because there's fun things to do in Manhattan. And doing the tour isn't fun, but it's very, very important. And, you know, that I'm grateful and everyone at Tribute is grateful that they've come. And the second thing I tell them is, when you hear these things happening in your neighborhood or around the country or around the world, don't be overwhelmed. Think, what can I do? And those tiny little things, even if it's only taking brownies to your firehouse, make a difference. Because everybody needs to know that they're appreciated and that we're in this journey called life together. Now, on Monday, when they read the names on television at the ceremony they have every year, I will do what I do every year. I stand there in front of the television while they're reading all the names. It's just my way of showing respect. Oh, thank you for doing that. Well, I didn't lose anybody in my family. I just lost a neighbor and people I knew through business and, you know, people in our town. But I know a friend of mine who lost her husband, my neighbor, and then I know a man who lost his wife that day. And, you know, I know a lot of the widows and widowers. So, Yeah. yeah, I always try to show respect that day. I don't just go on with my day. I take a little time out to pay my respects, um, even though I didn't suffer one one millionth of the loss of all of you. We all appreciate that. You know, it's kind of a catch-22. You're kind of glad that everybody doesn't forget, 
but then sometimes the date itself kind of looms big as everyone starts buzzing about it. Most other times when somebody loses something, it's a more private thing because the whole world doesn't necessarily remember the date. Does that make any sense? Yes, that's true. On Monday, the 11th, everybody you know will know that it's the 16th anniversary of your loss. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll make my way down to that memorial site and I'll look you up. I'll get you as my docent. Absolutely. I've just been afraid. I've, I've been to the Holocaust Memorial in Houston and in Israel, actually, and it was just so upsetting and so difficult. And I was just afraid I would have a really unhappy emotional experience downtown. But I'm going to I'm going to put my courage on and come down and see the site. Well, you just let me know and I'll definitely give you a tour. And you know what? At the Tribute uh, Museum, it was so long before we actually started seeing somebody from New York or New Jersey. Like, we actually make a bigger fuss over if you say you're from New York than if you say you're from Australia, because we see Australians all the time. But New Yorkers, we don't necessarily see. And we get that. Oh, we that's so interesting. So hard. I'm not the only weenie. We're just, yeah, the New Yorkers no, no. are more afraid the to go. The 10th anniversary, there was a slight increase in the number of New Yorkers, you know, people saying, well, I just thought I had to come. It's been 10 years. I better do it, you know. But, um, you know, every, when when people are ready, I think they'll come. And I think they'll they'll have, you know, some difficult moments, but also really be filled with hope. You know, just the fact that the trees are there, I think, gives it so much life, even though that was a place of such tremendous loss. Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this was a very important interview as we head into the weekend when we're all thinking about 9-11 and everybody who was lost that day and their survivors. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. And to learn more about the book in which Anne's story appeared, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Volunteering and Giving Back, please visit our website, chickensoup.com. To learn more about the World Trade Center site and a range of visit, please go to 911memorial.org and come back Monday, which is September 11th, for a couple of stories that reflect our unity after 9-11, when we really reached out to our fellow Americans and for a few magical months, we were truly united. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.